Hello, hello, hello. Do we have an extra special episode today? I am joined by Slumberkins founders, Kelly Oriard and Kaylee Christensen. We have the best time talking all things stuffed animals, poetry, mindfulness, and of course, Yetis. I have been a fan of Slumberkins before um, even I was pregnant with Lady and I wanted an excuse to have the collection. So now I have the excuse. Kaylee and Kelly are doing some incredible things with their company, including my absolute favorite. They have a new Apple original series that's coming out starting Friday, November 4th. Your family can embark on new adventures with Bigfoot, Unicorn, Sloth, Yak, and Fox as they discover a world of feelings in their very own series with the Jim Henson Company. How fantastic is that? This episode is so fun. We laugh. We cry. We have moments. You get to learn about Honey Bear, my adopted pig. We talk all about children and mindfulness and the importance behind it. And most importantly, is actually just learning the origin story of Slumberkins with Kelly and Kaylee. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know Lady absolutely loved it while we were editing it. So be sure to give it a listen, subscribe, tell your friends, leave a five-star review, and just follow along on Emotional Support Pod or EmotionalSupportPod.com. And thank you for being our Emotional Support. Welcome to Emotional Support. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's your host... Alessandra Torresani. Oh my gosh, this is such a fun day for me because I get to interview you two beautiful ladies. I have Kelly and Kaylee of Slumberkins. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast, first of all. And secondly, thank you so much for sending me so many goodies of like the cutest stuffed animals and books. And I just can't wait to tell the whole audience all about Slumberkins because I've been such a fan before even I feel like I really should have been talking about it being pregnant. And I'm like, is it weird that like I want this for myself? But that's neither here nor there. We'll get into this. But how did Slumberkins begin? How did your journey into mental health begin? Um, I'm going to let, you know, each one of you introduce yourself and kind of a little backstory so we can all learn a little more about you incredible founders. Oh, thank you so much for having us on. We're excited to share the story from both our own journeys as well as the businesses. Um, you know, Slumberkins really started out uh, while we were on a maternity leave from our roles as educators. So oh, wow. even to back up um, there, Kelly and I have been best friends since we were 14 years old. We met freshman year of high school. Oh, my became- gosh. Yeah, became really close friends through our mutual bond of being really tall. So I'm six two, Kelly's six feet. We both play <laughs> huge. Yeah, I am really so tall. jealous on so many levels. I am five three and a half on a really good day. I am so <laughs> jealous. Oh my gosh, beauties! Oh, what an incredible oh. bond, though. How cool. 
Yeah, so we both kind of grew up playing uh, sports and living parallel lives where I played uh, college basketball, Kelly played college volleyball, um, and then Kelly actually played professional volleyball overseas in Switzerland and Spain, and I piggybacked on her pro career for a season and found a team to pay me in cash. And <laughs> Oh my, like I under know. the table, under the table, cash, here yeah. you go, thank you for playing volleyball. I just, that's, yeah. um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a movie of itself, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But then we both, you know, decided we wanted to go pursue our master's degrees in our respective educational fields. So I'm a former special education teacher uh, that worked in the in a therapeutic day treatment school for most of my teaching career, which is um, for those that might not be familiar in the world of public education. It's kind of the most restrictive environment that you can get before a child might be placed in a residential facility for behavioral or mental like safety health concerns okay. um, for themselves or or others around them them. And the focus is more on um, the mental and emotional health of of the student and their experience with schools to be able to try to reintegrate them back into like a typical school environment wow. at the pace that they can be. So I had students on my caseload and I had middle and high schoolers, wow. but my students had different um, situations. Some some were the most intelligent people that I've ever encountered, yet struggled with schizophrenia or mm. bipolar disorder or um, or even were on the autism spectrum and right. just needed support in how to um, how to integrate into the world of general education. And on, so on a side note with role. with all of that, I mean, I, just out of my own curiosity, you know, how many of those yeah, I mean, I guess you would say they're kids, but they're not really kids if they're middle school, if, young adults at that point, you know. Yeah. How many of them actually found the, the right proper treatment with medication and with, you know, or other different types of modalities that were out there beyond just, you know, what you could do, you know, or, yeah. were there success rates there? Yes, we had, I would say it's, I mean, when you get up into the high school ages, it's really dependent on family support, wow. mental health supports, even outside of school, medication, kind of a mix of the wraparound services around a child. Right. Um, and I would say, you know, I have two students that were with me from freshman year through senior year that graduated that I still am like Facebook friends with oh. their families. And it's just like they're I just like love keeping up with um, their progress and what they're doing. And it's so great. I would say the students that still struggle were the ones that got involved in um, with substance abuse. Right. The, right. So layering substance abuse on top of the mental health struggles oh, yeah. and challenges was just it continues to be the recipe for, you know, non-graduation and oh, just. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, self-medicating is numbing yourself so you don't have to feel your feels, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if you know, but I live with bipolar one disorder. So for me, I was not diagnosed in high school. It took me until I was about 22 years old to finally be properly diagnosed and put on the right medication. Yeah. And I mean, my God, what I would have, I, I was really lucky because I was, I, I had, you know, a mother that was my best friend and still is and was able to kind of nurture and support me and get me help without knowing what was wrong, right? We didn't know what the yeah. exact problem was and it was all trial and error of different medications and different therapists. But I have to say it was a really 
lonely, lonely place to be in because you know that something's wrong with you, but you don't know why and you don't know what. And before you get the actual diagnosis and that final release, at least for me, I was happy. You know, you feel like such an outsider. So, and I I will always remember my second grade teacher because my second grade teacher truly was the only one that never made me feel like something was wrong, you know, with, with my mind or with my, you know, the way I process things. And I still like, will give shout outs to Mrs. Sue all day long. Like, I don't even know where Mrs. Sue is now, but I still remember so clearly because it's so important when you have an educator or you have a teacher or a mentor or someone that's outside of, I would say the medical field, right. Who's like just there where you feel like it's hired help, you know, there's something so special about that where you feel heard and, and seen. So I just, first off, like hats off to you. Like no pressure, Kelly, like, you know, no pressure with oh, your story, well. but, <laughs> but I no. just want to say, like, I think that it's so important that we need to honor, you know, teachers and educators and people that are there as mentors, you know, uh, you know, yes, it's your job, right. But it's ultimately voluntarily that's your job, you know? And I think it's a really tough job to take on. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of was the whole basis around even where Kelly and I really related in our roles as educators. Kelly's a marriage and family therapist that was working as a school counselor at her school and working more in the early childhood realm. Wow. So we both had this experience of working at like pre-K through 12th grade therapeutic realms in schools. And the the one differentiator of like student progress was actually how involved the parents were mm. in the journey right. with their child, which was actually the whole um, idea for Slumberkins. Yeah, wow. definitely. Wow. And so you worked with the younger generation. I mean, not younger generation, but the younger kids. And yeah. at the same time as, wow. Okay. And how did, how did you get involved in that? Um, so for me, my mom is a psychologist, and um, so I was always interested in that. And actually, my brother has bipolar um, oh, disorder wow. as well and kind of had some rough times when we were teenagers and as we were figuring that out. So I think mental health and emotional health was always something that I was really drawn to, interested right. in experiencing firsthand through my own family dynamics. Yeah. Um And so when I became a therapist and was working in the schools, um, I think that piece that you mentioned was also really highlighted around the feeling of feeling different, feeling like kids who felt like they didn't belong. And whether that was mental health or emotional health, right? Like wellness, because, you know, you're not at your best when you didn't get to eat breakfast or you, you know, like your parents got in a fight yesterday and maybe you showed up and didn't engage in class and, Um, There were ways that the school system was set up as well that were being, um, you know, that weren't aligning with helping kids feel like they belonged and seeing them as whole people. Right. Um, And so I think there was sort of this band-aid where as the school counselor, I was doing groups with um, kids. I was doing pullout. I was going into classrooms, teaching lessons, trying to build community. Um, And then when Kaylee and I ended up on this maternity leave at the same time with our now six-year-old son, so six years ago. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We were talking about it and just kind of lamenting and saying, gosh, it's just like every year getting worse. And it's like we're approaching it the wrong way. And I feel like we were inspired as new parents to say, what, what could we do at the earliest ages 
to support our kids? Mm -hmm. How could we make it like turnkey and easy for parents to implement and do? Because honestly, I was shocked when I had my son about like, I had all the ideas of what kind of mom I was going to be. And then I had him and I was like, whoa, that's out the window. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. God help me. Like, what is happening? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but it's so true, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost there yet. I, I'm, I've got, I'm in my third trimester, but I, I'm like, I think I have an idea of the kind of mom I'm going to be. But then everyone says you have no idea because once your baby comes, like it's a completely different story and it's a different scenario. And it's like you think you're going to have this perfect child because you have all the answers, right? And especially, I'm sure both you as well, working with children and working with yeah. young adults. And having the education and the proper tools and skills behind it, you're probably like, oh, I got this. This is like a breeze. And it's like, it was not a breeze. You know, I have a quick question going backwards just for my own personal, like selfish reasons. I'm so curious, since your mother was, you said a psychologist, right? Is that what you said? Yep. Were there signs of your brother that that she saw and she goes, oh, I know that this is definitely bipolar disorder. Or was it one of those things where I just, I'm so, it's so, it's so, I'm just curious when, when kids are so young, like if someone who, you know, is so well educated in this could see it, or if it's still, it's like, it's your kid. And sometimes you can't see that close to home. I feel like it's the latter, you know, because she was diagnosing, she was working in the school. She had a private practice, but this is sort of the differentiation piece too of like Mm. when it's your own kid, (laughs) you know, there's such a difference between knowing in your mind or even working with kids that are like one removed from you. Once it's your own kid, it's so personal and triggering for so many Mm. different reasons. Yeah. And you can find so many ways to explain or think about the behavior and it's hard to get a holistic view. Right. And I think as parents, a lot of times we tend to, blame ourselves or like look for the ways that we can do better or maybe it was because I did this or you know yeah. this person's not doing that so I'm going to focus there right so that you feel like you have some control yeah. um but in in our case I don't think that there was that early detection piece and we actually had mm. a big um moment of um psychosis that happened that like turned into stuff with legal and it was really 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 hard on our family it's so Um, painful it's so hard because you don't know how to you want to do everything you can to control the situation I know that's how my mom felt where she was like why can't I fix right and especially if it's your child like I can't even imagine what that would be like where you're like oh I'm I'm here on this earth to protect this child like why can't I protect the child you know so I can only imagine but I'm always Thank you for sharing that because I'm always so curious, you know, if it was like, oh, because I have this conversation with my mom all the time where she's like, I wonder if I was in that field, if I would have been able to identify it earlier and we could have gotten you help earlier or, you know, what was the the tools, you know, and I think that it's 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 so hard when a it's your own child, you know, no matter what and b you know, it's it's mental health was very different too, even five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, it's all, it's so, it's so ever evolving. And it must also be really strange for you two to see how COVID probably has affected children so drastically. I'm sure that that's come into play with isolation and with them not being able to be around other children. Like I'm sure with the toys and the books that 
that has helped so much as well. I, I guess I should probably introduce what Slumberkins is if we're going to get into <laughs> this. Because I'm like jumping because I'm so excited to have this conversation right now. But I have my little honey bear I wanted to, to show. I'm going to like do this. I love honey the cutest thing that I have to tell you about honey bear is it's so funny. Uh, my husband adopted um, a pig for me at this place called the gentle barn and it was a rescue pig and uh, just incredible and lived like this beautiful life after being rescued. And his name was honey bear. And so, and the sweet, it was so sad because two weeks ago he passed away and we got a letter and it was like honey bear lived a wonderful life, but you know, he reached an age and, you know, all this stuff. And then in the gun, the mail, I get my honey bear. And I was like, this is some like weird universe. Like what is going on? So first of all, love the name. Just want to say that it really just made my heart just melt. Um, because it reminded me of this sweet, sweet pig. Um, but how does slumberkins start? What is it? You know, what, what can people know about slumberkins? Yeah. So uh, to answer the question of how it started, you know, we were on maternity leave. We had that idea. Granted, we're educators that don't know how to start a business. So, and actually we were broke, like on unpaid maternity leaves as educators. So fun. we we actually ended up borrowing $200 from Kelly's mom and yeah, we're uh, teaching ourselves how to sew and like sewing the first editions of Slumberkins ourselves Stop. and selling them at local craft fairs in the Pacific Northwest. Oh yeah. my gosh, that is amazing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then and you could sew. Time, That's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I could even teach myself to sew. <laughs> Yeah, we are, both of our mothers had dabbled in it themselves. Yeah. So yeah. we like had exposure to it, but, but hats I don't off. know. It was hats crazy. off. You sold them. That's I mean, great. it did take hours and hours <laughs> on those first ones of like the thread breaking and trying right. to figure yeah. out how to do it. Yeah. And, and we're just lucky because Kelly naturally writes a lot of poetry, like oh, from wow. her own, Beautiful. Uh, her own self. Yeah. And so both of us were using like social stories and narrative therapy techniques with students in the schools that then she was able to write the storylines around the, for the creatures that we first like learned how to sew. So we, our first creatures were sloth, Bigfoot and Yeti. So relaxation, uh, self-esteem and mindfulness. And, um, they were really like personal stories to us where the sloth is a progressive muscle relaxation routine turned into a bedtime rhyming story for children. I I love the sloth. um, I have the sloth and the Yeti. So I I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah. And then Bigfoot is all about, um, promoting self-esteem, but that's such like a hard concept for kids, but it was really based off of, um, my experience as a six foot tall, sixth grader, um, being told on the playground one day in fifth grade, this is like my like major trauma from elementary school (laughs) of my best friend coming up to me on the playground in front of all of our friends and saying, Kaylee, you're buff. And I had just started to play basketball. So I was like, okay, cool. She's like, do you know what buff means? Big, ugly, fat fellow. And I remember going home from school that day and crying to my mother, telling her this like moment of extreme like embarrassment and just hating being big. And then, but I did have a mom who from the very early days of really young childhood, two, three years old, she knew I was gonna be tall, um, would do positive affirmations with me as a child. This was your best friend? Yeah, Uh, best friend. 
Not this Kelly. Not, <laughs> Kelly's like, no, it wasn't me. I swear it wasn't me. It wasn't me, not this best friend. If yeah. it makes you feel better, my nickname in high, sp- high school and middle school was Casper because I was my skin was so white it was see-through. So the trauma always will stay with you no matter how old you are. And yeah, you no, are gorgeous yeah. and I would do anything for your height. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids say things, you know, you just don't even know. Like, no. I won't even wear full body green anymore because I got called the Jolly Green giant all the time so no oh yeah i mean it's one of those things that as adults now in hindsight you can look back and you understand that kids just say things and they don't know how they actually impact the person receiving them and so the whole notion though of bigfoot's collection was um promoting self-esteem by Mm. implanting some positive thinking and narratives for a child to repeat the positive affirmations back and forth with the parent knowing that the power lies in the words that we speak out loud um Mm. and encouraging those affirmations which as you know all of our books end in a positive affirmation so we kind of incorporated that into every one of our characters and collections which now fast forward six years later we have 15 character collections and they each promote different pillars of emotional wellness and development that Kelly as a therapist has really honed in and identified. So we have kind of the more proactive um, skill sets like authenticity, mindfulness, relaxation, growth mindset. Um, And then we have the more supportive ones around. We have a collection that supports grief and loss, um, stress relief, anxiety, conflict resolution. And I have to say, I love the grief and loss one because I think that there are so many people that are that have no idea how to handle the loss of a parent or a family yeah. member or a grandparent or you know when i was younger there were a lot of people that passed away around us and that that were even just friends like family friends and i remember it was just it's such a hard conversation to have with a child and you want to make it where it's not a negative thing, right? And, and a scary, dark thing. You want it to be, you know, let's grieve together. It is a loss, but it's beautiful. And like, let's look forward. And, you know, and so I think that being able to have that in just a simple book to teach a child and also what you do so beautifully is that these books not only are just for like babies or even young kids, it grows with you, right? I mean, they're like up to the age, I think, what did I read? Eight or 10? Eight. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's remarkable. I mean, that's something that that's so special because I know for me, I mean, I still have my stuffed animals when I was a baby that I'm like, do I want to give to my child? I don't know. Like, I don't want (laughs) my child to ruin them. Like, they're mine. (laughs) (laughs) but it's true and I was such a stuffed animal fiend like I didn't play with dolls I didn't like Barbies I didn't I I wasn't all that for me I was like stuffed animals anything that I could possibly get my hands on and I felt like such a friendship and then a kinship almost where that's where I would do my performance like for my stuffed animals like I would do my dance recitals for them I would pretend I was winning an Oscar in front of them like so it really is so special like how you can make that connection you know which one is your particular favorite yeah I think my favorite is dragon um now I 
it's the most recent um, or our last character that we've just released. And it's um, for creativity and the mm-hmm. power of like manifesting your future, like right. thinking of something new and creation. And I just really love that concept and um, just love dragons too. <laughs> I, love yeah. dra- I love dragons. And I would say mine would definitely be Bigfoot um, because of the personal ties yeah. and connection. But then it's just funny, you know, even from the beginning conversation that we were having about um, our own children and us as parents, parents, you know, I can look at each of the collections. And as we built the brand, as I have three kids, different collections were even born out of my own experience Mm. of a mother, like my, my now 10 year old who was five at the time inspired our hammerhead collection. Like, you know, I think, yeah. And it's been great to have a best friend. That's a therapist that can write interventions (laughs) like for me in real time. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Where did, no, I have to say Yeti is my favorite, like in general, just character, not only just for Slumberkins, but in general, I love Yetis. I don't know why. I think it's because I love Disneyland and I went to Matterhorn way too many times. Like, I think that's where it comes from. But two things, where did you come up with the idea to make a Yeti? Because I feel like it's so random. I'm obsessed. And secondly, can you explain like mindfulness to children? Because I think that it is so important for us to teach mindfulness to, to babies and on. And like, I just, I am such a firm believer in mindfulness as, as a concept, as an idea, as, as, as a, a teaching modality. Like, I think it's wonderful. Well, to speak to the character selection, we always started with the skill. So we started with knowing like, okay, mindfulness, we agree, you know, it's a superpower. It's something that's so helpful to mental health. It should be started as early as possible. I think we'd already picked Bigfoot. And so we were like, uh, we could just change the color. We're just going to change the color and make a Yeti. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, But then I would say for, for, for kids, um, you know, when when children are born, they're actually very, very present and yeah. mindful, right? Yes. They are exploring their world. They are interested in things that are moving. They're hearing. They're, they're getting adjusted to all of the senses and ways that their body takes in information. And so actually um, the first book uh, in the collection for Yeti is about um, speaking that wonder and that Mm -hmm. um, recognition into your child's um, into your child. So it's written sort of like a love note. So as you read it, it's like my little Yeti. I love how you love to be here and you love to explore. I'm here to be by your side and learn from you while you learn from me. So really setting up this really secure base between Mm -hmm. parent and child um, and connection. Um, And then the second book uh, in the Yeti collection is really about introducing kids to more of that conscious understanding of their senses and how they take in information. So I know at the when you want to talk about mindfulness, many times we go to the emotional side of mindfulness, which is very important too. But if you start at the ground floor, it's like the senses, right? Like understanding, I take in information through my eyes, through my ears, through my smell, through my taste, through feeling, um, and sort of tuning in and honing into those different modes of um, input. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great practice to then work up to the more complex things like noticing your feelings, understanding yeah. like your thinking, <laughs> like those yeah. are actually more less concrete and hard for kids. So it's a great place to, to start. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, it's funny because 
I, I, as I'm going through this whole journey, I didn't share until about the third trimester until like about a month ago when I started talking about it. And, and even just to people in general, I was able to hide it. I was still like auditioning and like, they were like, okay with it. I'm like, oh, okay. You know? Um, but I, I didn't, I felt this kind of need to be super private and I almost, which is not me. I'm a very public person and very, you know, like here I am, like, here's that all my whole story, you know? But for some reason, and I was feeling just super protective. And I think it, I'm also very superstitious. So I was like, I don't want anything bad to happen if I announce too soon, if I do anything, you know. So now being in this place where I am open with it and I do have the conversations with people, you know, I, I've found, I've learned so much from so many different moms, from fathers, from, you know, same-sex couples, you know, from, from whomever it may be, you know, people, you know, parents that are adopting children. It's all such a unique experience, but it's all one and the same, right? And it's very overwhelming and it's very tough and you don't want to mess it up, right? And you want to be super prepared. You know, what was it when you guys were both pregnant, you know, at the same time? I mean, obviously, I guess, you know, Kaylee, you had, you had, you said you had children beforehand already. I don't know, Kelly, if you did too. You had one, did you, but this, this was your first baby. So we were in the same position at this point, I guess, you know, what was it something that, you know, you were so determined to make sure that you taught your child in the womb, even as early as in, in the womb of like protecting or a story or, you know, I I don't know. I I just, I love learning. I've been asking this question a lot to different moms, you know, who have been going through this of what was the first, you know, thing that was the most important for you for your child? You know, was it teaching mindfulness? Was it teaching, you know, to be a good person? Was it, you know, there's so many different things that, that it's so overwhelming. I just, I, I want people to know like what would be a great start, you know, for, for you as a parent. Ooh. Okay. Uh, well, you as you go. think I'll start. Um, <laughs> I honestly think in hindsight, all of the things you mentioned, every mother like thinks about over, you want to yeah. raise a good human. You want to raise a healthy human. You want to yeah. raise all these things. But in hindsight, everything will be okay with the child. Actually, yeah. the most important piece is you and making oh, sure that you as a I mom are okay and grounded. And if you need to take a moment because of the overwhelm away, baby will still, baby will be okay. Wow. (laughs) What did you do? You know, speaking of that, what did you do for yourself that really helped in a moment of, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Where should I, you know, I, I just need a moment alone. It was more Kaylee doing that for me. (laughs) I think this is like, you know, uh, I feel like, I don't know what I thought before I had kids, but I, you know, I just, I was sure that, you know, my child and I were going to be really close and I would be able to take them everywhere. And, you know, I wouldn't need, I don't know what I thought, but I thought they'd be very quiet and like hang out with me and it would just be this love fest, which there are moments of that, sure. obviously. Yeah. But there's also like the extreme opposite of that too. <laughs> well, it's my case anyways. My son was pretty colicky. And so um, I think for me, it was, I got so caught up in in my my own like spinning of like all of those expectations and th- I what I thought, right. like couldn't access any of them anyways. And so I became very ungrounded. And in many ways, Kaylee showed up for me and was more of like a stable base of like, 
hey, like, he's going to be fine. He can cry. We're just going to wrap, swaddle him up tight. I remember asking her, she was, she came over and grabbed him and like swallowed him. And she was like, oh, he's just tired. I was like, how do you know that? How would you even know that? And she's like, it's just, you just know, look, tie him up tight. And then he'd fall asleep. And I'm like, Where's the book on that? Yeah. Like, how do you know that what's right. the cry, tired cry versus I'm hungry? Right. I'm just doing everything wrong. Right. It's also just different between first and second times. Like oh, the I'm first sure. time you're experiencing it all for the first time. Like I, you know, I was so stressed out after the birth of my first son for many different reasons. I was doing my master's program. My husband wasn't working at the time. We were on welfare and like, like ben- state benefits. Like I lost my milk supply after three weeks because I was just so, so stressed, stressed out. Um, yeah, it's just, but then the second one came around and it was when she was Kelly had hers and I was like, breeze. I was totally fine. Stress free, like the most stress free out of all my pregnancies. And then with my third, it was actually a really rude awakening because it was my first experience with postpartum anxiety and wow. PMDD setting in. Wow. And it was, it was a level of like mental health for my own self experiencing some mental health difficulties on the heels of my third pregnancy that just kind of took me out and made well, me kind especially of actually because like, it's not like the first time right where the first time you're like oh right. I guess that I was expecting this and this is what it was supposed to be but to have it at the third right. where you're like I thought I got this like what's yeah. going on how yeah. is this happening and you know it's so I interviewed um this wonderful woman about postpartum depression. She's a specialist at at a hospital here in Los Angeles. And the amount of people that get postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, and it's just not talked about how normal it is. I mean, because at this point it's become so normal and, you know, people are living in fear and they're so scared to admit it. Or if they're not feeling that attachment right away to the child, you know, you don't want to act like you, you, you're, you don't want anything to do with your child because that must make you a bad mom. And then they're going to take your kid away. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's spirals. And, and it's just, so I can't even imagine what that would have been like. What a shock of the third child, like, like, wow. Yeah. But what yeah. a beautiful just, moment to be there for the second child, like for, for her first one where yeah. you could be there for the support. And then I'm sure at that point with your third, when you were going through the postpartum, how wonderful to have a therapist. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and we had started Slumberkins at that point. So, you know, and my, it led me down a path, you know, they say that emotions are, you know, messages or something that will push, yeah. it pushed me into therapy, which was great. <laughs> they <laughs> say emotions are messages, <laughs> says the leader of the social emotional. This is <laughs> to tell you, like, there was, say, there was a, a Kelly says. there was a moment after Cora was born where I was like, holy shit like I own and lead a children's emotional health and wellness brand and I myself am not emotionally healthy like I need to get myself together look at myself in the mirror go to therapy do the work like get to the root cause of like what's happening in my life and then make some decisions and is this when (laughs) hammerhead came on when you (laughs) at the moment because I'm like that's a great animal to like describe like what's going on and what does hammerhead what does hammerhead represent well hammerhead is conflict resolution but I would say the one that was born out of this whole journey journey 
side was links, which is self-expression mm-hmm. and self-advocacy because it was really hard for me in my marriage, which I'm no longer in that marriage anymore, but it was really hard for me to speak up for my needs and mm-hmm. the support that I needed. And that was a big piece of what was um, really off Wow. Oh, I'm so happy though. I'm not happy that you're not in that marriage. I didn't mean it like that. That sounded awful to say it like that, but I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to speak up for yourself and that you put yourself first and, and that you're able to truly express yourself now, because that is something that some people never even get to experience in a lifetime. They, they don't and they suppress it and they keep it their whole life. And then sometimes it'll pop out when they're, you know, 70 years old. And then it's like, and then what, you know what I mean? And I think that it's so important for us to truly advocate for ourselves. And, and I always use the example of like, if you're on an airplane and it's going down, you got to put the oxygen mask on you first before you help someone else. And I think that that's so important. And it was something that was very new for me going through a pregnancy and and speaking to different doctors and stuff because I got off my medication while I, I, before I tried to start to get pregnant and it continued off of it. Um, And I I tell you, like, it was really hard for me to, to be able to go, okay, I have to do what I know is going to be the best for me because that's therefore going to be best for the baby, you know? And, and it's really, cause you feel like you're selfish if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you know? And I think it gets really overwhelming, you know? Yeah. I think specifically when you become a mom, like that pressure seems to ramp up probably yeah. from, from multiple reasons, like from our own selves, right? Or sure. stuff that like, expectations that we had of ourselves or that our family might have or our partner has or society has. And all of a sudden you're in your most vulnerable moment with a, a being that like yeah. is, is completely dependent on you. And it is, um, it's intense. And so when I think about like, you know, what we wanted to give to parents in those moments were, you know, road signs back to support, right? So like whether you were facing a hard time and you needed support because there was anxiety, here's something for that. Whether you are in that moment of loving your child and wanting to like give them good things from your heart that makes them feel like a strong, happy person. Well, here's gratitude practice for you with honey bear. Right. And it's just, it's, it's a humbling experience, I think, mm. to become a parent. And that's the great connector, too. Because once you become a parent, you just, <laughs> you know, yeah. we are all in the same boat. We all love our children. Totally. And it's so hard. And it's just like the great equalizer. It's totally you know? the great equalizer. It must be so nice, too, to hear, you know, from the feedback from other parents that are using the slumberkins, you know, and how it's helped their children. And I'm sure it's also helped themselves because I, I find that, you know, there's a lot of things that I've been, you know, reading up that are like for your kids and, or like an example I would say is like, I'm learning hypnobirthing and, and you have these affirmations, right. That you hear over and over. And there have been moments. We, both did, that. we did hypnobirthing. We did oh that too. Big Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, this is so exciting for me. So <laughs> I was like this, it randomly happened because we went to my, uh, the first doctor's appointment to a new OBGYN and like, we're in there and my husband saw a book and it's 
said hypnobirthing. He's like, I feel like that's up our alley. So then I like Googled the book. Then I started Googling like who was in my area and like stalked this woman to have her teach me the class. Like she was not responding to my emails. She was not responding to my phone calls. I was like, what is going on? Like, this isn't that difficult. Like, how are you not just have a, a sign up sheet? She's ending up being like my favorite person in the entire world. Um, her name is Alicia Tamburi. I, I, I scream her name to the world because she's just helped me. But what I've noticed is like there's the affirmations like for your baby and like all this stuff, yeah. right? But when I'm having a, you know, feeling mania coming on or I'm feeling anxiety or anything, I'm telling you, I play one of those affirmations. I play a rainbow relaxation. I play something and I am just literally at peace. And, and mm -hmm. I, I find that so a lot of things that I've been doing recently that are specifically for the, you know, the baby or like what's best for a child or, you know, I don't know, even just reading your books, like it puts me at ease and, and I don't, I don't know why, but I'm just accepting of it. And I'm like, well, if it works, I'm not going to try to fix it. <laughs> and just well, That was the intention too, you know? So for us, it's like, we all have we all can use that support when we're in those moments. And I would say that's a real differentiator for Slumberkins. We are very much taking into account the parent experience yeah. when we're thinking about what we're trying to give to them and their kids. We're thinking about it from a family systems perspective instead of yeah. just like, here, give this to your kids so you can have a second away. No, we're tra trying to give you things that are supportive to you, yourself, your identity, your child, and that connection between you and your child. And so you just we don't see many companies out there taking that level mm. of understanding and interest and putting it into content and products the way we are. No, I, I think it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's, it's not just, it's not one being, it's multiple beings that are, are part of this experience. And what is next for Slumberkins? Like what, what, what's next for you two? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have so many exciting things on the horizon. You know, I think, um, we are just in this mode of, you know, we've built the brand off of um, the characters and the books and the collections. And now we're starting to transition more into media and entertainment where uh, there will be a brand podcast eventually, like hopefully soon, um, as well as kind of audio content for kids. Um, there will be a streaming series like coming soon with the characters. Oh like, my featured. gosh! Yeah, there will be... Um, the, you know, I think we're just focusing more and more on how to even create tools that are even more accessible than mm. having to buy a product. So right. even like brand music, like how do we create music that is helpful to a family's life through the lens of what Kelly was speaking to of like useful to parent and child. I love that. I think that music is so important. I mean, I know like baby inside me, like as soon as I play certain songs, like the, the dynamic changes in this belly and like, <laughs> I can just feel just, I can feel like the energy. It's so wild. I, it's also heartburn, but I also, I feel it all. <laughs> it's a lot, but I, but it's so true. I think that that would be so special. I think the gift of music is so important and I can't wait for yeah. that. I also can't wait for the streaming service. And if you ever need a voice of a character, I'm here for you. Like that is like so exciting. Like I'm obsessed with that. Um, I'm going to ask a question to each of you. Um, what is your emotional support? We both do weekly therapy sessions. We actually see the same therapist as a marriage and family therapist that That's sees us like fabulous. as a, a couple <laughs> and like individually as, because like as co-founders, as best friends who are more like sisters, as co-CEOs. 
yeah. it's a total marriage and you know we've gone through our own stuff of like leveling up in like and also defining our relationship as friends our relationship as co-ceos and like how those overlap so yeah. um yeah there's that and then I also love... like boundaries around the work like yeah. being able to take a break yeah that was like in the first couple years of a startup i feel like you can't have boundaries. Mm. Maybe some people do, but sure. we didn't. <laughs> Not us. Um, and so more recently we have boundaries and can take breaks. Um, and I also love, um, I'll do a plug for Insight Timer, the free like uh, platform to find like people to do guided meditations with. I just love that platform and I love to do meditations and like I do Usually I'm like, I do air quotes around my meditations because they start out as meditations and then I like drift off to sleep <laughs> and basically I'm like, I'm going to meditate and that's very acceptable. And I also nap. Yes. And, it's and that's acceptable too. Level. And one last thing, what would you recommend to someone out there who wants to, you know, better the life of maybe not only their child or if they can't have children, if like they want to work in the, the, you know, children field, if you will, you know, what is some sage advice that you maybe got from someone that you would recommend for someone who's starting up to work in the children's, you know, unique space? I think it comes back down to that putting your oxygen mask on first and that like whether you're getting into working with kids, that's basically a helping profession because you are helping kids learn right. and grow. Being a teacher, you know, I would include, you know, doctors, people like this, like self-care is an ethical imperative and that goes for parents as well. Uh, we can't show up and be our best selves and lend the parts of our brains that are more developed to right. children to help them learn without being in a stable place ourselves. Right. Um, so honoring yourself and, um, you know, taking time and space to to take care of yourself will be the most beneficial thing that you can do for kids in your lives. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on Emotion Owl Support. And thank you so much for all of the yummy, like goodness of the toys. I'm not even going to share with the baby. Sorry. Um, it's all going to be mine. Um, but this is so wonderful. And I'm going to have links of how people can get slumberkins. So thank you so much. 